I'm glad you guys are talking, though. It means you guys like each other and you're being hospitable. So, what we are going to do today, as you find your seat and quit talking, <laughs> as you guys are being quiet and finding your seats, uh, we are taking a break from our sermon series. We're taking a break from our what? Sermon series. All right, 90% are listening, so that's good. That's a good point to start. Hey, but I love it. I'm glad you guys are talking. It means that uh, we're friendly. Um, we're taking a break from our sermon series for just one Sunday, and uh, we're talking about something a little bit different today, but it's something I usually talk about at the beginning of the year and maybe one other time throughout the year because I believe it's such a big part of Scripture. And what I'm about to talk about today is about such... It's, it's, our hearts are so closely tied with it, it's very important we talk about, all right? And so it's kind of like a heart, uh, our yearly heart check when it comes to money, all right? Now, money is a big deal for all of us, uh, and it's something that consumes our minds, it consumes our hearts, and there's no wonder that Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your, he said, there your heart will be also. So when he says treasure, I mean, most of us don't have a treasure trust at home with gold and silver in it. But when he talks about where your treasure is, he's saying where your money is, that your heart will be also. So the things you give to, the places that you store your money, the things you spend your money on, that is where your heart is going to be because our heart and our money are so closely tied together. Nothing messes with our emotions quite like money. And I'll tell you why, uh, a quick story, a very quick story. But so I don't know about you guys, and I'm sure I'm the only one here, but during December, we spend a lot of money, right? Like money just goes like this. We go out to eat more, we buy gifts, money's just going crazy. So we said for the month of January, maybe even February, that we're going to do the Dave Ramsey cash envelope system, me and my wife, right? So I don't know if you guys know about this, but basically we, we have a strict budget we've always had, so we know where all our money goes. But for our, the, thing, the two places where we spend the most money and go over budget a lot, um, as you can imagine, are groceries and going out slash entertainment. All right, those are like the two places that we blow our money the most. So we went to the bank and got that cash out for the whole month, you know, for our grocery budget. So you look at this amount of cash. This is how much cash you have. When it's gone, it's gone. And we got to eat like whatever's left in the cupboard, right? Um, <clears throat> helps you stay focused. It helps you pass on like the, like the sale of buy six boxes of this and it'll be good. Um, it also helps you from going out right? Like you want to go to Chipotle for the eighth time in the month and you look in the envelope, there's no cash, you don't go out. And so I handed Nicole the cash for the groceries. And I mean, our grocery budget as a family is pretty high. It's, it's, a, it's pretty high. I'll just say that. And I handed her the cash and I like the credit card system or the debit card system because it's just a card, right? If you lose the card, no biggie. You just call the bank and you close it. When I have this stack of hundreds and I hand it to my wife for the month, I was so consumed with that money. And Nicole's a lot more like, you know, she's just like, oh, thanks. 
chucked it in their pocket, and went on their way. And I'm like, you can't put that in your pocket. What are you doing? That has to be in a safe, either in your purse or in here or somewhere like, you cannot put that cash in your pocket. And in my mind, like, I didn't say anything at first, right? I'm just like, oh, my mind's like, wait a minute, she just put that in her pocket. And all I could think about is that's going to fall out. It's going to be lost. And I was, I honestly, like, obsessed about it for a whole day until the next day when we talked about it. I'm like, did you ever put that, those hundreds somewhere else? Because <laughs> that's like, if we lose that, we're, you know, it's like, it, like, was weird. I was, like, thinking about it so much. Where our treasures are, there our heart's going to be. And um, it makes us do weird things. That's why it's not a good idea, not always a good idea to loan money to, to friends because sometimes those friendships change after we, we loan them money, right? And so it's always a tricky issue, but uh, yeah, it changes us. And also, uh, when I talk about money and show you how to handle your money, there's a lot of red flags. Uh, pa- some pastors don't talk about money. Uh, they don't, uh, I feel like, convinced that we need to talk about money because if we don't, we're missing a huge portion of biblical teaching. We're just going to miss a whole portion because Jesus talked about money, like tithes and offerings is talked about all throughout scripture. So it's super important we talk about. And pastors don't want to talk about money because sometimes people give this excuse of not going to churches. Hey, all that church cares about is my, right? All that church cares about is my money. They want my money. That is false. Um, I don't watch your money our elders don't want your money. And so myself and the elders are called to shepherd the flock, right? And so you, the churches, we're talking about the partnership meeting. We have six elders, including myself, that oversee the church, right? It's not like we all make decisions together. We try to make big decisions together. And that's the way the church is led. It's very important. Um, the Bible says the elders are to shepherd the flock well, not for any gain, right? And so this is important to know. Other than myself, I actually get paid by the church because this is my full-time job, right? This is my full-time job. I get, I get paid. I get health insurance. But the other five elders do not get paid. They don't get anything from the church, right? They do a lot of work. We meet every other Monday on top of our normal church duties, on top of our missional communities, They meet every other Monday. Some elders come in early to count money. Some elders do special duties like oversee all our finances. They do all this stuff on a volunteer basis, right? So they don't get paid anything from the church. And they so desperately want you to give to the church. So why would they want you so desperately to be faithful in your tithes and offerings if they don't get anything out of it? Because two reasons. They want you to be obedient to God and they want you to trust God with your finances. That's why our elders desperately want you to be a faithful people in your tithes and offerings. And they have no benefit of it. And even me, as I preach this, if we, if our giving triples or quadruples, I do not get a raise or I do not get a bonus from that. So I am not doing this for anything. My thing is I teach about this the same reason I talk about sex, the same thing I talk about uh, studying your word, the same reason I talk about re- praying, is because I want you to be faithful in all areas of life. And money is so important because it's tied to our heart and soul. You see, we teach our kids about giving um, to the local church, and we started that habit a long time ago with our kids. And like, for instance, 
when our kids get their Christmas money, we sit down after Christmas, we put away their Christmas money, we sit down after Christmas, and we go through that with them and, and teach them how to save some and put some towards their college, you know, saving by putting some towards their college, and then tithing some, giving some to the church, and then the rest is theirs to blow, right? And before, when they get their birthday money, they're just like this at GameStop or, you know, Target or wherever else, and they're just buying V-Bucks and buying a banana costume for Fortnite or who knows what else they're doing with that money. And to be honest, I don't care what they do with their money to spend because that's their money, right? But we sit down, and so each of my kids, I'll be transparent, each of my kids, like they have some generous grandparents, right? So they get toys for Christmas, but they also got like $250 each from their grandparents and aunts and uncles and various things. So each kid got $250. So we sat down with all their cash, went to the bank, and we sat down and said, I, I said, my recommendation is you guys give 10% to the church. And I'm like, you guys agree with that? And they're like, yeah, 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 because they've kind of been through this. with this. I'm like, you guys give more, but I said we start at 10%. So $25 from each kid goes to the church. We set that aside. And then we said, how much do you guys want to save? My recommendation is $50 to $100 of that we save for later. And so that created some arguments and disagreements. But we got through that. Uh, one is like, I just want to give it all, you know, to the church. Or I want to give it all to savings, and we'll talk about that later. But, uh, and then whatever they have left is like, here's your $75, here's your 120 whatever it was. That's yours to spend however you want, and I don't care how what you spend that on, right? Because you saved it, and you tithed it. And I, I would, that's what Nicole and I do with our finances too. So I was teaching those principles. I say all that to tell you that I don't do that because I hope that the church gets their $25. It has nothing to do with that. We used to do that when they used to give a quarter, right? And they put a quarter. And I would, I would encourage them and challenge them to do that. It's not because the church wants their 25 cents. It's not that the church wants their $25. It's because their hearts are so closely tied to their finances and I want them to be obedient to God's word and trust them. And if they could trust them now with the $25, one day they might be making a lot more money and they have to be faithful in tithing off of that. Does that make sense? And it's so hard to tithe if you haven't your whole life. And so we do that now. And so, um, and so that leads to our, our three points today. We just have three points. Um, these are true, three truths from Scripture we're going to look at today. But here's the first one is everything we have belongs to God. Everything we have belongs to God. Thank you, Kevin. It all belongs to God. He owns it all. Everybody say, he owns it all. Whenever I teach on this, I think of my son's, uh, my oldest son, Logan, who's, I think he's down in the kidsmen being a helper today. But when he, for his fourth, his four-year-old birthday party, he opened up all his gifts, and all his cousins and friends were around. And I remember watching him. He opened up his gifts, set them in a pile. And then after he opened up all his gifts, he created a pile in this corner of the room, like of all his gifts. He wasn't playing with them, but he didn't want anybody else to play with them, right? <laughs> and so all these kids are like zombies, like inching closer to his gifts. And he's like, he went like this, and he would said, mine! And he said, mine! To his pile of gifts. It, like, it like, sort of like consumed his mind. So we talked about it and put his gifts somewhere else. And, but he was doing this, standing in front of his gifts to everybody else, and he was saying, mine. And I can't help but think, don't we do this with God? At some point, we look at our possessions, 
and say, mine. Hands off, God. This is mine. And my question is, is who are we fooling? Everything from the clothes on our back to the pennies and dollars we have in our checking account are not committed to God. They are actually God's. Everything we have is God's. We are just called to be stewards. He could take it all at any time. He could choose to bring us more at any time. He owns it all. It all belongs to God. Here are just a few verses that build out this point. In Deuteronomy 10, 14, it says, To the Lord your God belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. Meaning that everything that you see belongs to the Lord. Second one is, For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills declares the Lord. It's all mine is what the theme of the Bible comes back to. The world is mine and all that is in it, Psalm 50, verse 12. And then in Haggai chapter 2, verse 8, it says this, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. So he's not just saying the silver and gold that's out there for sale is mine. He's saying the silver and gold in your bank accounts and in your pocketbooks, it's all mine. I own it all. It's not yours. Whatever you have and whatever God has blessed you with is actually all God's, and it belongs to him. Amen? So those are just to name a few, but it's important we soak in these words. It's because we don't actually own anything. It's all God's. So don't be stingy with your stuff because it's all God's. And if you really want to think about, like, the future, like, I know this might sound morbid, but when you die, you come out of this world the same way you came in it, in it, right? You go out the same way you came in, with nothing. You can't take any of it to heaven. And the Bible says the only treasures we have in heaven are the good deeds and the, the amount of times we shared the gospel and the good things and the spiritual blessings are the only things we carry with us to heaven. There's never been a, there's never been a hearse hauling a U-Haul trailer behind it on its way to the graveyard with everybody's stuff in it. I hope not. <laughs> uh, your house may have your name on the deed, but it actually belongs to God. You are just a steward, so be generous with the God has trusted you. Number two, Everything we have is given to us by God. He provides it all. He what? He provides it all. So, um, not only does everything we have belong to God, but he is the one who gives it. And it's important to think about this. Everything, every amount of increase we have, financially or gifts or anything, it is God's hand giving it to you right? So when you open up your paycheck, that is a gift from God. When you get paid for a job, if you're a contractor, that is God handing you that check. Whatever it is, whenever you get a tax refund, whether you get uh, an inheritance, every time money comes your way, that is the Lord's provision. Amen? It's important for us to realize. It's important biblical truth. Look at this in Matthew 6, 26, and then 28 through 30. 
Jesus is talking here, and he says this. He said, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? There's an important principle in Jesus' talking here about the wildflowers and the birds, is that why are you worrying so much? I make sure that a single wildflower in a field off of Heights, Ravana, that nobody's ever going to see is looking beautiful because I'm God and I have that capacity to do that. And I make sure that every bird that's flying around that needs it will get a worm. I just am, I'm God. I know how to do that. And so if I care for them so much, do, will I not care for my children 10 times more? Which is you, right? He'll care for you. He's saying he doesn't want you to be worried about what you're going to get because he's like, I am God, I will provide. He is the one that feeds us and clothes us, makes us have a roof over our head. He takes care of us. So some of you might be saying, and I hope nobody here is saying this, but let's just hypothetically say somebody was. They're saying, but I don't get it. I worked for my money. Like I earned it, right? Well, who gave you that job? Who led you to that job? Who provided that job opportunity? God. Okay. Who gave you the strength to do your job? Because I know a lot of people that are on disability that literally can't work anymore. Who gave you the strength to be able to do your job all day? It, the, the Lord your God did. He, he gave you the strength. Who gave you the ability to breathe and put breath in your lungs so you could effectively do your job? The Lord. Everything comes from the Lord. And even if you're saying, I worked, I earned, I did it, you did it because the Lord allowed you to. And the Lord gave you strength in your toes, to your fingers, to your hands, to be able to do your job. And he gave you a sound mind to do your job as well. Nothing is brought about by our own hands. Let me tell you this. Your income, your paycheck, that is from, okay, it's from God. The tax return, if you get one, is from when your grandpa dies and you get an inheritance, that's from your boss gives you a bonus, that's from all right, everybody now. When the stock market is up and you, you just feel like so great about it and you take some profit, that is from when you find $20 on the side of the road, that is from okay. When you get a Christmas card from your mom, that is from there's like 50 bucks in it. That's actually from God, all right? It's important to think about this because you can't say, well, that was from my mom. It's all from God bringing it to you, amen? It's all from God. It's all from God. Everything we have is from God, everything, period. And so, you know, for those of us who, like, look at our, you know, we, most of us look at our income or our paycheck and say, this is from the Lord, and then we look at all these other things and we have such a different mindset about all the other things. It's saying like, hey, the gifts we get, the things we find, it all actually is God bringing it your way because he's good and he's our provider. 
So, if you believe that God owns it all, and God provides it all, it's not crazy to say the third point, and that is this. God wants us to give to the local church. All right? God wants us to support the local church. Tithing is a biblical command that stretches our faith. And you know what? I, notice I'm not saying give to Jericho Road Church. Whatever church like you happen to be at, whether it's now or whether you go to a different church, whatever church you happen to go to is your local church. I would tell the same thing to the people that go to Port City, that go to Christ Church, that go down the road, you know, to Kingdom Life. The Bible wants us to support our local church. So if you believe God provides and you believe everything comes from God, you are just a steward. And then I ask, are you faithfully giving to the local church? And if the answer is no, I would ask why. So if you believe everything comes from God and everything belongs to God, and we say, I can't afford it, it shows that there might be a breakdown of what we actually believe. Does that make sense? If we, if we say we can't afford it, we are saying, or we're saying it's not the right time, or we're saying, I don't know, what we are actually believing is a lie that's saying, I am not so sure God is going to provide for me. And me and a friend just talked about this week about replacing lies in our brain with God's truth, right? And so, it's one thing to know something, right? Like, I can know God provides for me. And it's another thing to actually believe it, right? So if I say, I know God provides for me, but then when it's like, hey, we should do this, it's like, no, no, I can't. I'm afraid. I don't, can't afford it. Well, we don't actually believe it at that point. What we know and what we believe are oftentimes two different things. So if God doesn't want to direct your money to you, and you decide to support his church like it's commanded in the Bible, do you think he's going to forget about you? Do you think he's going to forget about you? Do you think he's going to hold back? Do you think he's going to let you starve? Do you think he's going to let you suffer? Um, if you believe God owns it all and provides it all, when you, we fail to tithe, there is a breakdown in our beliefs. Malachi 3.10 says this. God it commands us in Malachi, and Malachi is really the only time in the entire Bible where God says, test me, like test me in this. And he's talking to the people, and he says, um, test me in your tithes and offerings. And it says this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, which the storehouse was uh, considered part of the church building at that time, part of, the, part of the house of worship. He's saying, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And therefore, put me to the what? Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God's saying, trust me, test me, test me. I own everything. I can make it happen. I will take care of you. And if you're here today and say, well, isn't tithing like an Old Testament principle? Isn't it like an Old Testament law principle? And I'll tell you this, as I study the whole Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, you see that it's a lot more than just an Old Testament law principle. Um, the two things I like to go back to is Abraham and Jacob gave 10%. They gave their tithe before the law was ever even written, right? So there's a thing there about giving the Lord this tenth, this 10%, this tenth. Um, and it talks about that in Hebrews 7, if you're taking notes. And they were called men of faith because they gave 10%. And that was before the law. So tithing to God was before that. And it's also in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 2, 
when the church was just getting started and they were building the local church, people sold land. They sold their Ford escorts out there. They sold their donkeys. They sold everything. And they all brought it to the church. And they said they brought in so much that there wasn't a single person in the church that had what? Need. There wasn't a single needy person in the entire church. Everybody was taken care of. And they, because the people trusted God with their tithes and offering. And so the local church for the early church was way more than 10%. It was their property. It was everything. And on top of that, uh, Corinthians says to set aside a portion of your income. In 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, now this is, again, New Testament teaching, the New Testament church. It says, Now about the collection of the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, which is what? Sunday. The first day of every week is Sunday. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So he was talking about saving up a portion of your income and setting aside for the early church. So it's not just an Old Testament, but it's also a New Testament teaching. And so I ask you, are you faithfully giving to your local church? Are you faithfully giving to your local church? Incredibly important because it deals with our heart. Now, many of you know that at J-Road, we talked about this a little bit, we don't have membership here, like church members. We have partners. So if you are a J-Road partner, you have gone through a class. You have signed covenants. Um, it actually, I want to do something right now. If you are a J-Road partner, if you would please stand up. Just stand up for me real quick. If you are, went through the class, you did it. Brian, Loxamana, you are a J-Road partner, all right? So I know you are. Don't feel bad if you're not a JRO partner because many people, it takes time to go through the class. And last time, we, we haven't done a, we've done one class in the last like three years because of COVID and all this stuff. So don't feel bad. But my desire is everybody become a JRO partner. All right, thank you guys. Please sit down. Um, and so if you want to become a partner, back there um, on the sign-up sheet, there's like, hey, I want to become a JRO partner. Just fill it out. We don't have a date set yet. But once we get like 10 people, We'll, we'll make a time that works better for everybody. Okay? Does that sound good? And during partnership, you learn about our church. You make a commitment to the church. And you commit to us, and we commit to you. And you are a, like, just, it's just a commitment to your local church. Super important. And you might be like, well, I don't want to be a partner. Like, what's the point of that? The point is, is that you are saying, I belong to a church. All right? Like, any church you're going to, you should make a commitment to it. Okay? Um, so, and you've gone through, like, learning all about our mission, our vision, our values. Everybody, we, our hearts desires everybody to become a partner. All right? That's ultimately what we want us to do. Um, so it's saying that you're 100% in. So what we have for partners is a covenant. All right? So if you went through the class, at the end, when you become a partner, you sign a covenant, right? And the covenant says that I will faithfully attend J-Road. I will commit to resolving any conflict that happens so there's no division in the church. And, one of the, and I'll, I'll serve at J-Road. The other thing it says is I will support the church with my tithes and offerings. And again, I do not look at what people give. 
So I don't know if I've shared that already, but I don't like go through and see. So I don't know what anybody gives. I want you guys to know that. Um, it's just something we set up since I started here that I don't know who gives what. But everybody who's a partner and is a fully committed partner, they signed that covenant, and it's a promise. And if they had a problem with it, they could let me know, and, but, but nobody had a problem with it. And here's why I bring that up, and I don't mean this to beat anybody up. But one of the most staggering statistics of our local church, J-Road, last year was that out of our partners that regularly attend, only 70% give. All right? Now, we have one person who looks that up, and he knows, and I don't know who it is or who is it. But what it is is only 70% give. And I'm not talking about giving, like, 50 bucks or 20 bucks. I'm saying, like, over 30% of our committed covenant partners have no record of giving anything last year. And I was like, well, there's a lot of partners who maybe don't go here anymore. Maybe the list is all. He's like, no, I, I've taken them off the list. These are people who regularly come and serve, and, and they didn't give a single dime. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, what if somebody gives cash? I fully understand that. So I'm not beating up everybody. But I would also say that because we know how much loose cash we get, and it's not that much, that 30% of our partners. And so why that statistic is alarming is for twofold. Number one, those folks have made a promise to the church, right? And they're not keeping their vow. That's, that's a concern, right? So if that's you, the Lord's talking to you. The Lord's talking to you. I keep your promise. Um, number two, it's telling me that 30% of our people are, are struggling with trusting God with their finances, if truly they haven't given anything. Okay, and, and that's, and those two things are concerning. And the reason is, is I'm not saying this because I want our budget to take like a 30% leap next year. I promise you that's not why I'm saying that. I'm saying that because I care about this. I care about your hearts. I care about, uh, I, I care about where you are trusting your money and if you are spending money on the lottery, if you're spending money on booze, if you're spending money on cigarettes, if you're spending money on wasteful stuff, and the Lord gets none of it for his kingdom and his work, that's a problem. And I don't want us to hold on to our stuff so tightly that we haven't practiced generosity. Does that make sense? And so I care about your hearts. And if I found out my three sons were, were, have, were not giving and they were attending a church, I would have a conversation with them if they're adults or kids or anything. I would have a conversation with them, not because it's like I, we want their money. It's because what's going on in your heart, right? Like, where is your heart on this matter? Like, I want my kids to fully trust God there. So I want better for you guys. The, the other thing, too, is, and this doesn't get thrown around a lot, but Jesus promises a blessing for people who give. Look at it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. It says this, Give and you will receive. You, your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured out into your lap. The amount you give determines the amount you give back. And so the Lord Jesus promises if we're cheerful and joyful givers, it'll come back to you. It'll bless you. And I'm not saying that we're all going to be rich. I'm saying that God will take care of us, and you'll get to see his hand move as you are faithful with him. So there are just three characteristics of type of giver God wants you to be. And I'm going to go through this fairly quick, and then we're going to take communion, all right? The first is this, a proportional giver, a proportional giver. 
A tithe literally means 10% of your increase. And, and God doesn't care how much you give. He is looking at how much you have been blessed with and how faithful you are. So look at this quick story from Luke chapter 21. It says this. And this is the story of the widow's might, if you never heard it. Jesus and his disciples were watching people put in their tithes and offerings into the box. So like Jesus is over in the foyer, and he's watching people put in tithes and offerings. And he sees somebody put in like, like write a check for like $1,000, put it in. And then somebody else put in hundreds. And then he sees somebody go over there and just drops a penny in. Like everybody hears it clink, right? And Jesus says, that, that person, she gave the most. You're like, what? Let's listen. And he looked up and saw rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a certain poor widow putting two mites. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. And she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. In God's economy... Uh, one doesn't always equal one. In God's economy, a $1 gift could be more than a $50 gift if the $50 gift was not, not proportional and the $1 gift was. Does that make sense, what I mean by proportional? Somebody could give a quarter. We had a, we had a homeless gentleman. We, we always have a few homeless people that come here now and again. But um, there's a homeless gentleman we help out from time to time. And... Um, I wasn't supposed to see this, but I saw it. But he put in like a quarter in the offering plate or in the offering box. And I was just like, man, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you don't, have, you don't have literally anything. You don't have a dime. And he's like, well, God brought, it was a good week for cans. It was a good week for collecting cans. He put in a quarter. I'm like, man, that doesn't bring tears to your eyes. God's saying, that was the biggest gift of J-Road. Proportional giving. Another is intentional giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give, give what he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly. So decide in your heart what to give. Be intentional about it. It's not going to happen by accident. It's going to be you saying, today I'm going to make a commitment to give, and it's intentional. And the last is a sacrificial giver. So if you are asking, how much do I need to give to God? I would give two answers. Uh, for tithing, a good goal is 10%. A, ten, a tithe means tenth. Okay, tithe and tenth are the same word. So that's a good goal. But for your life, the answer is everything. How much do you need to give? Everything. Start with your heart, then your life, then your marriage, then your children, then your finances. God wants us to surrender everything to his lordship. Why? Because Jesus gave it all and died on the cross for you and for me. And so when we ask how much are we supposed to give, the answer is everything. Everything. Holding nothing back. And our whole life of sanctification is going to be laying down little by little everything back to the Lord because it's all his. So much more than your finances Give your life to him now. For everyone, Jericho Road Church is doing the Lord's work, and I truly believe that. Building the kingdom. We are the local church. It's God's will for you to be a regular, faithful giver.
And my hope and prayer is, is that this year we look back and we say 100% of our partners gave something. 100% of our partners gave something. And that is our goal. And so if you're already there, keep, uh, keep it up. And I hope these words are just an encouragement to your giving. So let's pray. God, I thank you for this message. And God, I pray that we are intentional, uh, sacrificial, and proportional givers, Lord. And ultimately, God, I pray that we trust you with our hearts. We come to you for repentance and salvation because you are the Lord of lords and the King of kings. We just thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.